Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Levin here, our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811, James Trusty, who is a fantastic former federal prosecutor. You've seen him comment over the years on Fox. He will be on this program in the third hour. He's President Trump's lead counsel on the, uh, on the raid on Mar-a-Lago. We can get a sense of what he'll talk about. He'll break it here. President Trump on Truth Social just posted the following. A major motion pertaining to the Fourth Amendment will soon be filed concerning the illegal break-in of my home, Mar-a-Lago, right before the ever-important midterm elections. My rights, together with the rights of all Americans, have been violated at a level rarely seen before in our country. Remember, they even spied on my campaign. The greatest witch hunt in USA history has been going on for six years with no consequences uh, to, uh, to the scammers. It should not be allowed to continue. I'm reading it off my iPhone. Now, this Fourth Amendment issue is something, of course, as you know, I've raised here on several occasions since we learned of the raid on President Trump's home. I've raised it on Levin TV repeatedly, and I've raised it on my Fox show every Sunday. And I've said I believe it's unconstitutional because of the, the breadth and width of, uh, of the document grab. And the Fourth Amendment couldn't be more specific about the need for particularity. And that's the difference between complying with the Fourth Amendment of the Constitution and a general warrant, which has been rejected way back by our framers and ever since. And so we'll see if it relates to that. But uh, Jim Trust, who I, I don't believe I've ever spoken to, have I, Rich? 
Um, he uh, is a very, very sharp guy, so we will be talking to him in the third hour. I don't think you'll want to miss that. And there's been reports uh, day in and day out that there's a spike, <coughs> excuse me, a spike in violent threats since the raid on Mar-a-Lago. Now, ladies and gentlemen, there was a spike in violent threats when the Supreme Court ruled in the Dobbs case that the Constitution does not empower the court to make decisions about abortion, that that's a state matter. We had, in fact, a few years back, the Democrat leader in the Senate specifically threatened two Supreme Court justices by name. We've had thousands of protesters. They're still there. The media just choose not to cover it. Hounding, berating, and of course threatening Supreme Court justices at their homes or their summer locations or where they eat. And we've had these organizations that have been paying people to do just that. And when we had that spike in violent threats, Nancy Pelosi said nothing. In fact, most of the Democrat leadership in the House has said nothing. Most of the Democrat leadership in the Senate has said nothing. Members of the January 6th committee have said nothing, for the most part. And of course, the media said virtually nothing, including the New York Slimes and the Washington Compost. Spike in violent threats. And it is in fact, it is in fact, a felony to do what people have been doing to these justices. And as we know, Meritless Garland has done nothing to arrest a single individual, not one for violating 18 U.S.C. 1507. Nothing. Anyway, we'll be very interested in hearing what the president's lead counsel, Jim Trustee, has to say in the third hour. Now, I keep hearing things like, well, the Democrats passed these fantastic bills. This is their accomplishment, passing laws, redistributing wealth, raising taxes, creating regulations, creating departments, creating programs, funding the left, funding the teachers' unions, hundreds of billions of dollars still bouncing around out there somewhere. But let's just point this out. One of them said today that the Democrats have given the people lower drug prices. The Democrats haven't given the people anything. They haven't given the people anything. And this is a problem because since the early years of the progressive movement, a.k.a. the Marxist movement in this country, this is how they characterize things. This is their narrative. The drugs in this country are not created by the Democrats. They're not created by the Democrat Party. Now, they're used by a lot of them, but that's a different issue. All the Democrats have done is they've capped the price that drug companies can charge for that which they produce. Which, by the way, is an extraordinarily dangerous precedent that can be done in any aspect of our economy. 
Where does the Constitution say that? It doesn't. The Supreme Court has allowed the federal government to do that since the days of Franklin Roosevelt. In violation of the Constitution. But let's move on. So number one, the Democrats haven't given anybody anything. They create nothing. Number two, and here's the biggest problem. By capping the price of one drug or another, they've made it impossible to invent new drugs. Particularly new drugs, as I explained the other day, for some horrendous rare diseases. Certain types of cancers. Diseases we're not even aware of. That can never fully be accounted for. Because as they say, you can't prove a negative. And yet, when you have research and development, and you have investment, and you have these labs throughout the drug companies, and the scientists and the other experts, working full-time to find some solutions to certain of the most heinous illnesses, or to improve the quality of life, it takes an enormous amount of money. Tens of billions of dollars have been spent to try to address Alzheimer's. Almost none of it has been fruitful. That's burned money. Where do they get that money from? They can't print it. They don't rob banks. And so when you're a drug company, and I'm no special pleader, I'm just explaining one little tiny aspect of our economy and how it works. You've got to figure out what you're going to charge for drug A in order to find something that will help address Alzheimer's or certain types of cancers or heart disease or whatever. When you slap a cap on that, when you just slap a cap on that, and you say, look what we're doing. We're delivering drugs at, at lower prices. What you're also doing is ensuring that some people are going to suffer and some people are going to die. What you're doing is throwing a wrench in the gears of progress. And what's interesting is when a drug's been on the market for a period of time, like 10 years or so forth, the price comes down. Like anything else. Technologies. Computers. But when you kill off innovation, when you kill off innovation, you're killing off knowledge or the pursuit of knowledge. And people who pursue knowledge need to be paid. And every time you pursue knowledge, you cannot have success. So there's failure on the road to success. You are killing off avenues for the improvement of the human being. Now, I doubt you've ever had anybody explain this to you this way. How many drugs will not be invented and developed? How many medical technologies will not be invented and developed? How many people will suffer? How many people will die because of these arbitrary caps that are in a bill that was negotiated among two senators and rammed down the throats of the American people in one week's time. We have no idea. 
And it's never reported this way. And the Democrats will tell you, we brought down the price of drugs. We brought down the price of, hey, yay, yay. It's like the person who has a home. Let's say it's on the ocean or it's on a river and it's in a mountain, whatever. But doesn't want anybody else to have a home near them. They don't want anybody else to have a home around them. And so they fight for zoning rules to prevent people from having what they have. Or it's like a billionaire in this country, like a Gates or a Bezos or others. Who've succeeded wildly under the capitalist system. And yet seek to deny others from succeeding wildly under that same system. It's like individuals who fly off on private jets or have exotic cars and use more fossil fuels than the average person, not even close, who try to deny the average person from having access to available and low-cost fossil fuels. Well, they use fossil fuels to travel a country in the world to proselytize. It's the same thing. Oh, look at this. I wrote a book on this. It's called Plunder and Deceit. I think it was the least successful book I wrote. I always wondered why. Since it laid this out in stark detail. But always remember this. When Washington gets involved, in the end... There's more suffering, there's more poverty, there's more dislocation, and there's less prosperity. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, would you turn down millions of dollars a year? All you'd have to do is surrender your independence and abandon your principles for the money. That's a devil's bargain. Sadly, it's one that almost all American colleges and universities make. But there's one college in America saying no. My favorite college, Hillsdale College. Hillsdale College refuses to accept one penny of taxpayer money, not even indirectly in the form of federal student grants and loans, by saying no to government money. Hillsdale remains genuinely independent. Hillsdale has over 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students on its main campus in Michigan and its satellite campus in Washington, D.C., returning to classes right now. In addition, over 3 million citizens have enrolled in Hillsdale's free online courses, and over 6 million American households, including mine, receive Hillsdale's free monthly publication in Primus. You can learn more about Hillsdale's independence from government, its mission of defending liberty, and its national outreach programs at levin for hillsdale.com so I've been telling you that what they've been doing to Donald Trump is really truly grotesque he is a uh, he's an American citizen who's being treated in ways that no American citizen has been treated, let alone a former president or president. But the Democrat Party now has gone full tyrannical, 
if not totalitarian. And I want to read you this piece with their friends in the media. DeSantis knocked by Jewish leaders for rallying with Pennsylvania Republican candidate. I first met Ron DeSantis when he was a little-known congressman from Florida. And I was invited to this subcommittee hearing where he was fighting like hell. Really the first one, the most aggressive, to move the American embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. And Ron DeSantis is evangelical. And uh, as a governor as well, he is probably the most supportive politician of the state of Israel of any politician I've ever met, maybe bar Trump, but DeSantis has been outspoken, he's been at the forefront, he's reached out to Jewish groups, not left-wing groups dressed up as Jewish groups, real Jewish groups. The third largest Jewish population now is in Florida, and he's been widely received. But the Jewish community is divided into many groups, too, like every other religious, organiza- religious community. Orthodox Jews are politically more conservative. Reformed Jews are overwhelmingly Democrat. We have some Jewish groups, like Catholic groups and so forth, that are really, if you would really think about it, are front groups for the Democrat Party, like the Anti-Defamation League is now run by a former Obama hack. And Obama was, in my view, and I've said it before, an anti-Semite. I still believe that. And his sidekick, Biden, has been a disaster for the state of Israel. But all that aside, here's what the Associated Press writes. Florida Democrats and Jewish leaders joined religious groups in Pennsylvania in condemning Governor Ron DeSantis for his plans to appear Friday with Doug Mastriano, the Republican candidate for governor of Pennsylvania. Mastriano's ties to Gab, a right-wing social media site that has become a hub of anti-Semitic and racist commentary, have come under fire for the last few weeks. And I want to further expand this. And by the way, I detest this Gab and all the rest of it, but that's not my point. I want to dig into this because what I've been warning you is happening. That is, they try and take out the most conservative Republicans they possibly can. And this is the same party and media that embraced Talib and Omar and all the rest of it. I'll be right back. Folks, would you turn down millions of dollars a year? All you'd have to do is surrender your independence and abandon your principles for the money. That's a devil's bargain. Sadly, it's one that almost all American colleges and universities make. But there's one college in America saying no. My favorite college, Hillsdale College. Hillsdale College refuses to accept one penny of taxpayer money, not even indirectly in the form of federal student grants and loans. By saying no... 
to government money. Hillsdale remains genuinely independent. Hillsdale has over 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students on its main campus in Michigan and its satellite campus in Washington, D.C., returning to classes right now. In addition, over 3 million citizens have enrolled in Hillsdale's free online courses, and over 6 million American households, including mine, receive Hillsdale's free monthly publication in Primus. You can learn more about Hillsdale's independence from government, its mission of defending liberty, and its national outreach programs at levinforhillsdale.com. Mark Levin, radio's principal patriot. Call in now at 877-381-3811. So Ron DeSantis, the most pro-Israel elected politician in America, is being painted by the Associated Press Left-wing Democrats who are Jewish, left-wing Jewish groups that are more Democrat than Jewish, as embracing anti-Semitism. And this is what they do. Again, Florida Democrats and Jewish leaders join religious groups in Pennsylvania in condemning Governor Ron DeSantis for his plans to appear Friday with Doug Mastriano, the Republican candidate for governor of Pennsylvania. They say Mastriano's ties to Gab, a right-wing social media site that has become a hub of anti-Semitic and racist commentary, have come under fire for the last few weeks. And I might add, so has MSNBC with Joy Reid and Tiffany Cross and others. So have the Democrat Party with Black Lives Matter, which was and is anti-Semitic, and Omar and Talib. Mastriano's ties to Gab, a right-wing social media site, have come under fire. Do not go to Pennsylvania and do this. Be bigger than this. Be better than this. Democratic activist Fred Gutenberg appealed to DeSantis, Florida governor, a likely contender for the GOP's 2024 presidential nomination. is currently running for re-election. Gutenberg appeared on a Zoom call organized by the Florida Democratic Party, with two Jewish leaders, and with one Democratic candidate for Congress from St. Petersburg, Florida. DeSantis is, quote, encouraging all the bigotry, not he himself expressing it, but by supporting Mastriano. Now, Mastriano is the Republican nominee for governor, and Mastriano is at least one or two steps ahead of Ron DeSantis in fomenting this bigotry said Rabbi Mark Weiner, president of the Florida Democratic Party Jewish Caucus. You have a rabbi, president of the Florida Democratic Party Jewish Caucus? Get my drift? And of course, I'm sure he supported Obama. And nobody questioned that, did they? DeSantis is scheduled to appear alongside Mastriano at a political rally Friday in Pittsburgh. Request for comment from DeSantis' gubernatorial office and from Mastriano's campaign were not returned. Gee, I wonder why. In April, Mastriano paid $5,000 for Gab for consulting. Gab bills itself as a champion of free speech, but because of its lax moderation policies, has become a gathering place for conspiracy theorists and extremists, much like the New York Times, including those who espouse vicious anti-Semitic and white supremacist rhetoric, 
anti-Semitic rhetoric, much like the New York Times. Remember that columnist? They just discovered that he wished there was Hitler to kill the Jews. In 2018, a Pittsburgh man with a history of anti-Semitic comments posted on Gab about his plans to commit murder at the Tree of Life synagogue just moments before he's alleged to have shot and killed 11 people there. So you see how this works? So DeSantis is campaigning for Mastriano. Mastriano apparently paid this guy as a consultant. Very stupid move, by the way. And then you have this guy who posted on Gab, who slaughtered these Jews in the synagogue, 11 people, and now we're going to link it all the way back to DeSantis. They also don't say here that this guy who slaughtered the Jews there was a Trump hater, an ever-Trumper. In early May, Mastriano did a video interview with Gab founder Andrew Torba and characterized Torba as, as standing up to censorship. Quote, I love my country and I'm not going to hand over the country to these people that want to turn it into East Germany with the Ministry of Disinformation. They want to blackmail people. You know, thank God for what you've done, Mastriani told Torba. Torba's been repeatedly accused of anti-Semitism, a charge he denies. Last year, the Anti-Defamation League, which is led by an Obama guy, wrote that Torba has engaged in multiple anti-Semitic tirades on Twitter and Gab, sharing a wide array of bigoted comments. The guy is, in my view, exactly as he's described. He's a sleazeball. And I've dealt with sleazeballs like him in the past, so there's no excusing that guy. In July, Huffington Post reported... New accounts created on Gab appeared to be automatically subscribed to a handful of other accounts, including Mastriano's, boosting his followers on the site from around 2,300 to 37,000 in a few months. And Mastriano posted frequently on the site as well. A week after the Huffington Post report, the head of the Republican Jewish Coalition called on Mastriano to leave Gab. Good idea. I agree with them. But let's continue. Mastriano distanced himself from Gab and Torba several days later. Quote, Andrew Torba doesn't speak for me or my campaign, Mastriano wrote on Twitter. I reject any anti-excuse me. I reject anti-Semitism in any form. I don't know, has Talib ever said that or Omar? He added that extremist speech is an unfortunate but inevitable cost of living in a free society. He said that the policy views of his Democratic opponent, Attorney General Shapiro, were extreme as well. And they are extreme. He's a radical. But the incident continues to unsettle some, including Brooks. That's fine. Brooks said that his group continues to have concerns about Mastriano and wants the Republican to reassure the Jewish community as to where he stands and it relates to anti-Semitism. Faith leaders in Pittsburgh spoke out Wednesday against DeSantis's appearance with Mastriano. Okay, so folks, Mastriano is the Republican nominee for governor. He pays for, or his campaign does, obviously some kind of promotion on that site. He does an interview with this guy. He may not even know who this guy is, quite frankly. It's like these photos that pop up. And people say, look, I'm shaking it. But I don't know. 
but he clearly denounced anti-Semitism. Something that people in the Democrat Party will not do. Something, something that people on MSNBC will not do. Something that people at the New York Times will not do. And I might add, the Associated Press has a horrific record. Horrific record. When it comes to its reporting on Israel when it's under attack by the Palestinians. It takes the side of Hamas and the Palestinians. And I can point it out a thousand times if I have to. And they're not alone. They're not alone. Now they write, Mastrano is a former army colonel. Refuses to acknowledge that Joe Biden won the election. And that's what really drives them nuts. DeSantis, meanwhile, has repeatedly dodged questions about the legitimacy of the 2020 election. Smart man, DeSantis. I, 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 I adore the guy. Why? Because he will not allow the press, that is, the Democrat Party activists dressed up as media, to drive his governorship or to drive his media or to drive his re-election. He will not permit it. And it is amazing to me that the Associated Press would write something like this, trying to tag DeSantis as something he's not. Because the Democrat activists and the Democrat Party, rabbis or otherwise, try to do exactly that. Try to do exactly that. And meanwhile, within their own ranks... They'll vote for Obama. They'll vote for Keith Ellison in Minnesota. They'll vote for Bernie Sanders, a self-hater in my view. An Israel hater. They'll vote for Omar. They'll vote for Talib. They'll support Black Lives Matter. They'll paint their names. They'll paint their, their symbols in the streets. I don't think Ron DeSantis needs any lectures from any Democrat, no Democrat, respecting his support for the Jewish community and Israel. None. None. The Democrat Party has a lot to answer for. Look what Donald Trump did with Israel. And still the liberals, whether they be Jewish or otherwise, hate him. Look what he did for the state of Israel. Look what he did with the Palestinians and the terrorists. He cut off their funding. Cut off their funding. Look what he did with the Abraham Accords that broke out. Peace all over the Middle East. Nobody ever saw anything like it before. Iran, a grave threat to the United States, to the Gulf Arab states, and of course to Israel. He had his foot firmly on Iran's throat. Biden has surrendered American security and the security of the Middle East to the Islamo regime, the Islamo-Nazi regime. And what does the Anti-Defamation League say? Nothing. What does J Street say? They applaud him. And what does the Associated Press say? Nothing. Nothing. 
But this is what they'll try to do to a DeSantis and a Cruz and a Cotton and a Pompeo, everybody else. I'm just warning you. When people say, ah, let's, let's move on. Come on, the drama. I can't take it anymore. This is what the Democrat Party and their media are all about. I'm no big Mastriano fan. But his opponent, Shapiro, should he be elected governor? will further destroy the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And their goal is to make it a Democrat stronghold forever. And so you need to keep that in mind when you're voting. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, would you turn down millions of dollars a year? All you'd have to do is surrender your independence and abandon your principles for the money. That's a devil's bargain. Sadly, it's one that almost all American colleges and universities make. But there's one college in America saying no. My favorite college, Hillsdale College. Hillsdale College refuses to accept one penny of taxpayer money, not even indirectly in the form of federal student grants and loans, by saying no to government money. Hillsdale remains genuinely independent. Hillsdale has over 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students on its main campus in Michigan and its satellite campus in Washington, D.C., returning to classes right now. In addition, over 3 million citizens have enrolled in Hillsdale's free online courses, and over 6 million American households, including mine, receive Hillsdale's free monthly publication in Primus. You can learn more about Hillsdale's independence from government, its mission of defending liberty, and its national outreach programs at levinforhillsdale.com Most of these individuals put party before faith. I'm not just talking about these radical left Jews, radical left Catholics, radical left Protestants, radical left whatever you call it. No particular religious affiliation, but they put party before faith. And they put party before country. My wife likes to say their faith is their party. And she's right. Most of the people I quoted, not all, but most of them, when I say not all, I'm talking about the Republican uh, spokesman for the uh, Jewish committee. But all the Democrats, they hate Netanyahu too. They hate Netanyahu. Despise Netanyahu. Despise Donald Trump, who together did more to advance the cause of the Israelis than any president, and I would argue any prime minister, certainly since Menachem Begin. But they despise them. Now they despise DeSantis. They want to hurt his chances in Florida for re-election. That's what's really going on. DeSantis is running against a radical leftist who is much like Obama when it comes to ideology, who's accomplished nothing and has a big mouth. Oh, she was in charge of agriculture. (laughs) She's qualified to do absolutely nothing, including agriculture, by the way. So that's the game. You cannot trust the Democrat Party because the Democrat Party hates America. 
time and time again it's demonstrated it. Whether it's open borders, whether it's the war on the cops. I mean, the Democrat Party has not expelled its anti-Semites. Won't even call them out by name. They embrace them. Call them progressives. No, they're Marxists and they're Jew haters. But the head of the ADL will never say that. Ever. But they are. They're Marxists and they're Jew haters. Talib, Omar, and they're not alone. Not alone. Ron Wyden and the missus collected a fortune in a government program that Ron Wyden voted on. They're multimillionaires. Is there going to be a criminal investigation? Is there going to be any kind of investigation? No. Nancy Eva Pelosi and DUI Paul Pelosi have made tens of millions of dollars since she's been in Congress. Especially as big mouth of the House. I mean, Speaker of the House. All kinds of conflicts, I would argue. They never discussed, not once, when they were together, what bills she would bring to the floor. Not once. No. It just so happens that DUI Paul knew a week or two or a month in advance how to move his money around. Now that hasn't caught the attention of the political hack U.S. attorney in Washington, D.C., Matthew Graves. No. We've got way too many FBI agents focused on public enemy number one. Donald Trump. We're going to get him somehow, some way, somewhere. We're going to get him. We're going to get him. We're going to get him. We can't be bothered with Ron Wyden and the missus. May I say missus? I think I will. Or Nancy Pelosi and the mister? Mister? I can't? All right, DUI Paul. Can't do that. No, we're not going to investigate any of that. They're Democrats, after all. How did the Obamas become worth a quarter of a billion dollars? Doesn't matter. We don't want their tax returns. Oh. How did Al Gore become worth a quarter of a billion dollars? No. We don't want his tax returns either. Why would we? Dick Cheney and Halliburton? No. Okay. Okay. Been there, done that. I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin.
Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Jim Trustee, who is the lead counsel for President Trump on the FBI invasion of his home, will be on the program next hour. I believe breaking some news, talking about a motion they're going to file related to the Fourth Amendment. These constant references to Hitler and the Nazis when it comes to Republicans and conservatives and so forth. You know, rather than blowing all this money on critical race theory, I think we should spend money maybe on a two-way ticket. For every person who says that sort of thing, To fly them to Europe, where they can go through the various death camps. And they can see the ovens, and the smokestacks, and the mass graves. Where they can see some of the trains that were used. The bus people. to train people to their death where they can see the piles and piles of gold teeth and hair and the lampshades made out of Jews' skin. And the knives made out of their bones. Democrats keep referring to people they disagree with as Nazis, as Hitler, and they're doing it more and more, and they're doing it on these corporate platforms on MSNBC and CNN, New York Times Corporation, other places. Words they just throw around. Many of them reject the Jewish state, which was really created out of World War II. Because this is out of control. This is completely, utterly out of control. I want you to listen to Tiffany Cross on MSNBC yesterday. She is a low IQ reprobate. She has a platform given to her by Comcast where every week she gets on television and spews her hate and her poison and in my view promotes violence as do most of the Yentas on The View. It's not entertainment. Joy Reid, another, another bigot. I want you to listen to this. Tiffany Cross on MSNBC yesterday. Cut one, go. 
I mean, you have millions of people tuning into a propaganda network every night. And then as if that were not bad enough, that's an extremist network itself. You have these fringe pop up uh, outlets, you know, from own to Newsmax. Um, then you have the social media component. That train has left the station. There is no let's deal with the rhetoric. At this point, I do think we have to have serious conversations around preparing for actual violence. Uh, people keep saying a civil war is coming. I would say a civil war is here. And I don't mean to be hyperbolic. We can look at what has happened just in the past week alone since all this has happened. We've had two people try to declare war with FBI field offices. I don't think at this point we're going to all pack up our bags and go home and sing Kumbaya. Two people. Two people. Or we had thousands and tens of thousands in 2020 burning down our cities and attacking local police. But the, the greater danger we face, in my humble opinion, is the institutionalization of a revolution that I talked about in American Marxism. The counter-revolution to the American Revolution is in full force. It can no longer be dismissed or ignored. For it is devouring our society and culture, swirling around our everyday lives, and ubiquitous in our politics, schools, media, and entertainment. Once a mostly unrelatable fringe and subterranean movement, it is here. It is everywhere. You, your children, and your grandchildren are now immersed in it. And it threatens to destroy the greater nation. And the greatest nation ever established. Along with your freedom, family, and security. Of course, the primary difference between the counter-revolution and the American Revolution is that the former seeks to destroy American society and impose autocratic rule, and the latter sought to protect American society and institute representative government. The counter-revolution or movement of which I speak is Marxism. That's who these people are, whether they self-identify or not. The application and adoption of core Marxist teachings to American society and culture, what I call American Marxism, must be addressed and confronted lest we are smothered by its modern manifestations. And make no mistake, the situation today is dire. In America, many Marxists cloak themselves in phrases like progressives, democratic socialists, social activists, community activists, and so forth, as most Americans remain openly hostile to the name Marxism. They operate under myriad newly minted organizational or identifying nomenclatures, such as Black Lives Matter, Antifa, The Squad, etc. They claim to promote economic justice, environmental justice, racial equity, gender equity, and so forth. They've invented new theories like critical race theory and phrases and terminologies linked to or fit into a Marxist construct. Moreover, they claim the dominant culture and capitalist system are unjust and inequitable, racist and sexist, colonialist and imperialist, materialistic and destructive of the environment. Of course, the purpose is to tear down and tear apart the nation for a thousand reasons and in a thousand ways. 
thereby dispiriting and demoralizing the public, undermining the citizenry's confidence in the nation's institutions, traditions, and customs, creating one calamity after another, weakening the nation from within, and ultimately destroying what we know as American republicanism and capitalism. But there should be no mistake that the various leaders of this counter-revolution are increasingly outspoken and brazen about who they are, including bands of openly Marxist professors and activists. And they're supported by a core group of zombie-like woke followers. Whatever their labels and self-description, the essential characteristics of their beliefs, statements, and politics exhibit core Marxist dogma. They occupy our colleges and universities, newsrooms and social media, boardrooms and entertainment. And their ideas are prominent within the Democratic Party, the Oval Office, and the halls of Congress. Their influence is seen and felt among the mostly witting as well as the unsuspecting. And in news reporting, movies, television shows and commercials, publishing and sports, as well as teacher training and classroom curriculum throughout America's public school system. They use the tactics of propaganda and indoctrination and demand conformity and compliance. Silencing contrary voices through oppressive tactics, such as the so-called cancel culture, which destroys reputations and careers, censoring and banning mostly patriotic and contrary viewpoints on social media, even including former President Donald Trump and attacking academic freedom and intellectual interchange in higher education. They take aim at all aspects of the culture. Historical monuments, including memorials of Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, abolitionist Frederick Douglass, and the 54th Massachusetts Black Union Regiment, Mark Twain, William Shakespeare, Mr. Potato Head, Dr. Seuss, Disney cartoons, ad infinitum. Pronouns are banned and replaced with nondescript words so as to offend, so as not to offend 58 flavors of gender identification. Past social media posts are scrutinized for early indications of insufficient fealty to the present-day Marxist hegemony. Journalists and editorial pages. Sorry, folks, I'm having trouble reading with my eye. Journalism and editorial pages are sanitized of non-believers. And yet historical and present-day experience shows that Marxism and its supposed workers' paradise are responsible for the death of tens of millions of human beings and the impoverishment and enslavement of over a billion more. Indeed, Marx was wrong about almost everything. The Industrial Revolution created a vast middle class, unmatched at any time in world history, as opposed to an army of angry proletariat revolutionaries hell-bent on overthrowing the capitalist system. And despite the Marxist class warfare rhetoric of Democratic Party politicians and their surrogates, with technological and other advances, capitalism has created unimaginable and unparalleled wealth for more people in all walks of life than any other economic system. And I go on. What then is the appeal of Marxism? American Marxism has adapted the language and the lore of utopianism, which I wrote about at length in my book, Ameritopia. It is a tyranny disguised as desirable, workable, and even paradisical. 
That is a paradise. Governing ideology. There are unlimited utopian constructs, for the mind is capable of infinite fantasies. But there are common themes. The fantasies take the form of grand social plans or experiments, the impracticability and impossibility of which, in small ways and large, lead to the individual's subjugation. The, the economic and cultural agenda driven by President Joe Biden and the Democrat Party provide ample examples of this ideology and behavior at work. And they include massive deficit spending, confiscatory taxation, and the regulation of all things large and small, drenched in Marxist class warfare propaganda, and a slew of executive orders claiming to end numerous historical and cultural injustices. So too does their demand for absolute one-party control over the body politic through various extra-constitutional schemes and other means as Marxism does not tolerate the competition of ideas or political parties. These efforts include changing the voting system to ensure Democratic Party control for decades, which has as its purpose the eradication of the Republican Party and political competition. Attempting to eliminate the Senate filibuster rule so all manner of laws can be imposed on the country without effective deliberation or challenge. Threatening to breach separation of powers and judicial independence by plotting to pack the Supreme Court with like-minded ideologues. Planning to add democratic seats to the Senate to ensure its control over that body. Using tens of billions in taxpayer dollars to subsidize and strengthen core parts of the Democrat Party base, such as unions and political activists. And facilitating massive illegal immigration. The purpose of which is to, among other things, alter the nation's demographics and eventually add significantly to the pro-Democrat Party voting base. These actions and designs, among others, are evidence of an autocratic, power-hungry, ideological movement that rejects political and traditional comity and seeks to permanently crush its opposition and emerge as the sole political and governmental power. The latter explains the true motivation of this obsessive and unremitting war against the candidacy and presidency of Donald Trump and his tens of millions of supporters. The Democrat Party, aligned with its surrogates in the media, academia, and the, and the bureaucratic leviathan, colluded to discredit and cripple Trump's presidency and destroy him personally by unleashing an onslaught of slanders, conspiracy theories, criminal and congressional investigations, impeachment and coup attempts, the likes of which this nation has never experienced. The unremitting, harmonized, and ferocious blitz was aimed not only at the former president, but his followers and voters. Their purpose was to break and back, excuse me, their purpose was to break the back and spirit of the political opposition and clear the field of obstacles to power and governance. Indeed, the Democratic Party continues to pursue now private citizen Trump, having gained access to his tax returns to the offices of elected Democratic officials, including the Manhattan District Attorney. The campaign to delegitimize and marginalize the Democratic Party's political opposition is further evidenced by, and I give a number of examples. The Democrat Party seeks to empower itself by breaching constitutional firewalls 
skirting, if not eradicating, rules, traditions, and customs. Adopting Marxist language of class warfare and aligning with certain avowedly Marxist groups and ideological causes, among other things. And it is used in the instrumentalities of government for its political empowerment and purposes. The truth is that the interests of the Democratic Party come before those of the country. And the allegiance to the party is more important than fidelity to the country. It holds these characteristics in common with other autocratic and communist parties throughout the world. There's a lot more in the first chapter of American Marxism. If you have it, I strongly encourage you to circle back and read it. If you don't, you might want to grab a copy. But unfortunately, everything I've said is playing out in spades. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Right now, every business is trying to nickel and dime you. How much can they squeeze you to offset their increasing costs? It's a mess. That's why I love Pure Talk, my wireless company. And I want it to be your wireless company. Pure Talk drew the line in the sand and said, stop screwing over the American public. So when you sign up with Pure Talk this month, you're going to get their best ever offer. One month free. One month free. You can lock in talk, text, and data on America's most reliable 5G network for just 30 bucks a month. Plus, get one month free when you make the switch today. Just go to puretalk.com and enter code Levin Podcast for this special offer. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast. Need another reason? When you choose Pure Talk, you're choosing to support American jobs. You're choosing to support a company whose CEO is a U.S. veteran. And with Pure Talk's no-risk money-back guarantee, you won't regret it. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, and enter promo code LEVINPODCAST. That's L-E-V-I-N podcast, and get one month free. Maggie Haberman interposes herself into politics all the time, not as a reporter, but as a Democrat. She has nothing but obsessive hatred for Donald Trump and contempt for his supporters. So we get to a situation where reporters, theoretically reporters, are interviewing other reporters, and CNN does this all the time. Haberman works for two of the worst platforms ever developed in the history of journalism. Of course, the New York Slimes, and it's history and the blood on the hands of its editors and managers and so forth and reporters and the constipated news network which even admits that they have to get rid of some of these people like rocket man jeffrey tubin and now bs helter skelter brian stelter and so when we come back i want you to hear I'm not going to call her Maggie Haberman anymore. I'm going to call her Maggot Haberman. Is that okay, Mr. Producer? On how Donald Trump is really playing the FBI, and it's really the FBI that's the victim here. I'll be right back. Right now, every business is trying to nickel and dime you. 
How much can they squeeze you to offset their increasing costs? It's a mess. That's why I love Pure Talk, my wireless company, and I want it to be your wireless company. Pure Talk drew the line in the sand and said, stop screwing over the American public. So when you sign up with Pure Talk this month, you're going to get their best ever offer, one month free, one month free. You can lock in talk, text, and data on America's most reliable 5G network, for just 30 bucks a month. Plus, get one month free when you make the switch today. Just go to puretalk.com and enter code Levin Podcast for this special offer. That's L E V I N Podcast. Need another reason? When you choose Pure Talk, you're choosing to support American jobs. You're choosing to support a company whose CEO is a U.S. veteran. And with Pure Talk's no-risk money-back guarantee, you won't regret it. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, and enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And get one month free. America's most powerful conservative voice, The Mark Levin Show. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. Maggot Haberman of the New York Slimes on the Constipated News Network yesterday being asked questions by Anderson Cooper. Remember Anderson Cooper's Big Get interview, the biggest interview of his career? Remember that? Stormy Daniels? Yes. A couple of boobs there, I would say. Cut five, go. Politically, what does the former president gain or lose uh, if the affidavit is released? So it depends, Anderson, because we don't know what's in it. Can and I obviously- ask a question? This is something that annoys me. Why do all these pseudo-elites and pseudo-intellectuals start their sentences with the word so? Weren't you taught in English, Mr. Producer, not to do that? So, let me, let me see if I, can, uh, if I can provide a synopsis and pull all the thoughts together and explain what's going on behind the scenes, you know. Let's start over. Go. Politically, what does the former president gain or lose uh, if the affidavit is released? So... It depends, Anderson, because we don't know what's in it. And obviously, several uh, media outlets, including my own, have argued that it should be released. The Justice yes, Department. Yes, 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 of course, but that doesn't stop you from speculating. And as part of your speculation, please, trash Trump, would you please? Would you please, Maggot? Yes, I think she will, actually. Go ahead. It. Trump's folks, I think, gain more by arguing, see, the Justice Department won't unseal it, because if they thought there was advantage to this, to him in a real way, I think he would be getting into this fight himself. You'll notice his lawyers have not filed anything in this case. His well, they was- haven't filed anything yet, maggot. And they didn't have to file anything since Judicial Watch and the media filed. They don't have to get into the middle of it. Doesn't change any of the legal arguments, does it? But do not, do not allow me to get into the way of your obsessive hate and spinning. Go right ahead. Serving the proceedings today, but it's allies of Trump who are going about yeah. arguing the same case as the media. I think he sees more advantage in being seen as somebody being victimized because, as we saw with the warrant, when the now, war- ladies and gentlemen, he's not being victimized. No, no. Federal agents in his wife's closet. I assume to get to the closet, you had to go through the bedroom. 
Isn't that right, maggot Haberman? We have a Fourth Amendment, doesn't that matter? Fourth Amendment, you could drive a dump truck through, even a cement truck, even an electric truck. You could drive through the the warrant was so broad as to be utterly meaningless. It's called the Bill of Rights, Maggie. I mean, maggot. The Bill of Rights. And Trump, you know, he plays the role of victim. Just because he's been impeached twice unconstitutionally? Just because he's been the target of a criminal investigation that went nowhere? Lack of a predicate? Just because he's being investigated by a Democrat DA in Atlanta, a Democrat DA in Manhattan, a Democrat Attorney General in Albany? Just because he's being investigated by Nancy Pelosi's Democrat and Democrat wannabe committee on the House, because he's the first president to ever be served with a search warrant over documents. Just because there was Russia collusion, which was a lie that the Obama administration used, the FBI and the intel agencies, just because they, they lied on a FOIA affidavit to get a FOIA warrant, just because the entire dossier was a lie, it was used by the FBI. Trump is trying to position himself as a victim. Now, the victim here, of course, is the FBI. How dare you? How dare you degrade the FBI? Everybody's equal before the law, don't you know? Yes, everybody's equal before the law. Who does Trump think he is? Go ahead, maggot. Sealed. It was not unalloyed good news for Trump, as a lot of people around him had been intimating, if not good news, at least neutral news. You know, the, the statutes there um, are problematic for him. Yeah. And so I suspect that the warrant, the affidavit would have similar issues. Yeah. Yes, the statutes are problematic. You see, we at the New York Times were well familiar with the Constitution of the United States, even though it was written by white slave owners adopted by white slave owners we embrace it especially the part about a free press you see and we abuse our powers to propagandize I maggot maggot Haberman being a demagogue first and foremost and of course they mentioned three statutes there so those statutes are obviously problematic the Espionage Act don't you know that Donald Trump violated the Espionage Act? It's plain as day. Forget about Article 2, Section 1, the first sentence. We don't worry about that at the New York Times. That was written by a slave owner. Well, presumably so was the First Amendment. No, 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 you don't understand. We pick and choose here at the New York Times. The Fourth Amendment only matters if it applies to terrorists. Mass murders and Democrats. That's all. It doesn't apply to Donald Trump. He is an existential threat to society. And so are the white supremacists, racists, and bigots who voted for him. Half the country. We here at the New York Times, pushing the 1619 Project, 
pushing Stalin, pushing the Third Reich, pushing Castro, hiring anti-Semites. Yes, we here at the New York Times, we know how to rejigger and reorganize society here. Me, uh, Maggot Haberman, here at the New York Times for a reason. I'm so special. I'm so witty. Don't mind my affectations. Don't let that confuse you. But then there's Chris Wallace on CNN today. See, CNN is like a dung pile that attracts flies. John Berman. So here again we have phony journalists interviewing phony journalists. Chris Wallace. I mean, working at CNN and MSNBC, that's like the final step before you appear on sonograms and airport radar, which will be where Stelter, Helter, Helter, Stelter will be going. Let's listen to this intriguing discussion, shall we? By the way, has Chris Wallace had a jaw implant yet, Mr. Producer? His mouth ends where his neck begins. That's a weird look, I would say. Cut six, go. So, Chris, there was this hearing before a judge in Florida over whether to release the affidavit to justify the search warrant into Mar-a-Lago. Donald Trump had lawyers there for the arguments. but only- so, so now listen to this. And John Berman has the IQ of a uh, doorknob. But nonetheless, the lawyers there, but they weren't arguing anything because they didn't file anything. But why didn't they file anything? Because they didn't have to. Now they have more information, you see. And now they're apparently preparing to file something. And once they file something, they'll move off. Well, they didn't file anything. Now, look at the filing. I mean, my God, nobody makes that argument. We have all these experts. Let's bring them in, shall we? John Dean, what do you think? Bob Woodward. Bernstein. Yeah, we have all these experts. Same slobs, same swine, always wrong. Go ahead. There. Why is that important that they were there as observers and not more than that? Well, it's fascinating because, you know, he put out a statement saying that he wanted the entire affidavit released. The the Justice Department, uh, Merrick Garland, said they don't want any of it released because they think it will identify confidential sources, uh, that it will hurt their prosecution of the case, maybe jeopardize national security. Trump in public said that he wanted it all released. But when they had the hearing yesterday, even though, as you point out, he had a lawyer, Christina Bob, in the courtroom, she didn't say anything. She didn't uh, make a motion. She could easily have said, so what do you make of this? Oh, my goodness. What do you make of this? It's Trumpian. He's scheming. He's plotting. He's projecting. He's trying to control the narrative. It's Trump. He had his lawyers there, but they didn't actually say anything. I didn't know, by the way, that Chris Wallace had such a pronounced speech impediment. But nonetheless, what kind of, what kind of, Ex-president is this? He didn't have lawyers. Now, of course, the big picture is the government raided his home. They grabbed everything in sight. They violated the Fourth Amendment. We have some schlub master, not even a full credentialed federal judge, a schlub master, who let him do it. 
Well, yes, he did. So what? That master apparently has more cred than any of the constitutionalists on the Supreme Court. Have you noticed? But that's not an issue, no. The burden's on Trump, not the FBI. Burden's on Trump. As it always is, isn't it? As it always is. Equal application of the law, we're told. Nobody's had the law used against them like this, have they? No, nobody has. But as lawyers were in the court, they didn't say anything. They didn't file anything. What's going on? Judicial Watch and the media, the media wanted the documents under the First Amendment. Trump doesn't have a First Amendment right in this context. Judicial Watch wanted it too, basically under the First Amendment. I'm trying to help these clowns, but they won't care. Now, if Donald Trump believes that his Fourth Amendment rights were violated, he has a cause of action. Takes time to prepare that, to think it through, and to take an action. And I don't know if they will or not, but if they do, it'll be, what a foolish filing, what a foolish motion in front of this judge. Let's ask former federal prosecutor Ernie Grabowski, what do you think? I've never seen such a thing before. That Trump, what a dictator. The laws aren't supposed to apply to him, just everybody else. Let us ask Professor Nitwittery. What do you think, Professor? Well, I've looked at things like this before. I, I really can't say. I'm a little perplexed. What about you, former defense counsel? What do you think? Well, it's obviously constitutional, but I do think you can write some of Oh, okay. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Right now, every business is trying to nickel and dime you. How much can they squeeze you to offset their increasing costs? It's a mess. That's why I love Pure Talk, my wireless company. And I want it to be your wireless company. Pure Talk drew the line in the sand and said, stop screwing over the American public. So when you sign up with Pure Talk this month, you're going to get their best ever offer. One month free. One month free. You can lock in talk, text, and data on America's most reliable 5G network for just 30 bucks a month. Plus, get one month free when you make the switch today. Just go to puretalk.com and enter code LEVINPODCAST for this special offer. That's L-E-V-I-N podcast. Need another reason? When you choose Pure Talk, you're choosing to support American jobs. You're choosing to support a company whose CEO is a U.S. veteran. And with Pure Talk's no-risk money-back guarantee, you won't regret it. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, and enter promo code LEVINPODCAST. That's L-E-V-I-N podcast, and get one month free. You know, I, I'm jealous of the Finnish people. Finnish people have a prime minister who can dance. Boy, she can dance, can't she, Mr. Producer? We have a president who can't ride a bike. I mean, there is a big difference, you know. Big difference. Uh, folks, don't miss Life, Liberty, and Levin 
on Sunday, just two days away. I think it's going to be a fantastic program. I know it is. We have two great guests. First of all, Jared Kushner, and he and I are going to discuss the inner workings of the Oval Office. And you're going to be surprised by a lot of the positive things he has to say to counter so much of the crap that's going on. I'm looking at our audio list. We have a guy, Gavin Smith, former Trump White House official. A CNN Republican, he's on there trashing the former president. Jim Schultz, former Trump White House lawyer, he's on the CNN uh, platform. Again, a CNN Republican trashing Trump. So they have all these reprobates and backstabbing lack of character slime balls. My opinion, just my opinion. And I think it'll be very refreshing when you hear uh, Kushner the first half of the program, the second half, Cash Patel, and I dig into this January 6th stuff, as well as what took place at Mar-a-Lago, and he has some fascinating news-breaking information, too. And most of all will be my monologue, or like I call it, the opening statement. The opening statement. It's going to crush. I don't use monitors. I don't use teleprompters. Now and then I'll write myself a note just so I don't forget something. But even rarely that. Why do you put on and take off your glasses? It's simple. I'm nearsighted. So in order to see the camera and the clock so I know when I'm getting out, I need my glasses on. When I want to hold up a book and look at it or look at a note, I need my glasses off. Why don't you wear bifocals? Because they make me nauseous. Now you know. Now you know. But... uh, I think you're going to find it very, very compelling. One of the things I asked uh, Jared Kushner is, you know, you came to Washington as a Democrat, sort of left of center. Then you wound up, you know, in your father-in-law's administration pushing his agenda. What changed? What was it like working with him and Ivanka? We'll get around the New York slimes and the Washington compost and all the rest of it. I think you're going to find it very, very interesting. And Cash Patel as well, and again, my opening statement. So I, I hope you'll watch us live. If you can't, you can always record us on DVR. And I try to encourage people, go ahead and record it now. In other words, set the recording now. That way you won't forget. That way you won't forget. It's the quickest hour in television, I think. It's what people tell me. Just like this is the quickest three hours in radio. That's what people tell me, too. We have a very important third hour coming up, including our guest, Jim Trusty, President Trump's lead attorney on this FBI raid matter. And they have something to report on the Fourth Amendment. And this will be very, very fascinating, I think. And all you leftists out there with the media, you might want to get your fingers ready on your little boards there and write things down. But try and tell the truth, would you? I know it's painful. Just try. Most of you have already been at happy hour. You're all sloshed. Well, try try to work through it. I'll be right back. In an economy like this, we all need as much help as we can get. Whether you're an employee or employer, you're just looking for ways to survive. So innovation refunds can help. Small business owners, listen up. You could be eligible to receive a payroll tax rebate of up to $26,000 per employee. This isn't a loan. There's no payback. It's a refund of your taxes. 
Go to GetRefunds.com. Their tax attorneys are specialists in this little-known payroll tax refund program. They do all the work with no charge up front. They simply charge a percentage of the cash that they get for you. Businesses of all types can qualify as long as you have five or more employees. The team at GetRefunds.com has already returned over $1 billion to businesses, and they can help you too. Seriously, go to GetRefunds.com, click on Qualify Me, and answer a few questions. Go to GetRefunds.com, no risk, high reward. That's GetRefunds.com. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. There's a lot of trashing of Dr. Oz going on among the putinoids with their hemorrhoids. I guess they don't want us to take the Senate, but I have a question to ask. Why is Blake Masters, the Republican nominee for the Senate in Arizona, Eight points behind Mark Kelly. Mark Kelly is as charismatic as, as well, foot fungus, toe fungus. He has a real voting record, and his voting record is 100% with Schumer. People don't even know what his voice sounds like. Should be an easy target in a state that is frankly, more Republican than Pennsylvania. Why is it that the guy that was backed by Peter Thiel, and unfortunately, I feel, President Trump, and some of my brothers and sisters in the media, why is it that he's so far behind in Arizona? Don't we need to pick up that seat in Arizona? I'll tell you why. People don't like it when billionaires impose their will in the primary process. And that's what Peter Thiel did. He decided that Blake Masters would be the nominee. And then the chorus line and the pseudo-conservative media joined in. That's Peter Thiel's candidate. But nobody knows anything about Blake Masters other than he worked for Peter Thiel, like J.D. Vance. Who's Blake Masters? And yet he's pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. The Attorney General of Arizona, they know who he is, Brnovich. They know what his record was. Fantastic. This isn't sour grapes. I'm just wondering why Blake Masters isn't connecting with the public there. Now, don't get me wrong. There's time. There's plenty of time. But Blake Masters is a multimillionaire. His sugar daddy is a multi-billionaire. He's had air cover all over TV and radio media from the Putinoids, among others. So what's the problem? What's the problem? Why can't he connect? What's he talking about out there in Arizona? Seems to me there's some very important subjects that he could mention. 
But Blake's not cutting it right now. Now, Republican Senate candidate, according to the Arizona Central, that is the Republic, says he hopes Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell will back his close campaign. So, a change agent, he is not. Blake Masters hopeful for Mitch McConnell's support in Arizona's Senate campaign. Well, then I guess he's going to vote for Mitch McConnell to be the leader. Said Friday, he hopes... Striking a magnanimous tone toward the GOP leader he fiercely criticized during the primary. Isn't that the problem? Isn't this what politicians do? I think he'll come in and spend. Arizona's going to be competitive. So he relied on Peter Thiel to spend $10 million to get him the nomination. And now he's begging Mitch McConnell to do the same. Is that a leader? Masters has softened the harder edges of his confrontational style move toward the center on key issues, including abortion, Social Security. Since emerging atop a crowded GOP field this month's primary, he's relying on deep-pocketed donors and national Republicans to make up for a severe financial deficit against Democrat Mark Kelly. This guy Kelly's raised $55 million. Masters has raised $5 million. I've asked around, and people have said the problem is he's a bad candidate. That's what they say. He's a bad candidate. McConnell-controlled Senate Leadership Fund bought $28 million in advertising to boost Republican J.D. Vance in Ohio, a seat many Republicans thought to be safe. So we're having to spend money, an enormous amount of money, and Mitch McConnell is supposed to be saving these America first Peter Thiel candidates? Vance, like Masters, won his primary with millions of dollars in support from billionaire Peter Thiel, but has lagged in his Democratic rival in fundraising. Masters spoke a day after McConnell suggested that Republican efforts to win control of the Senate could be imperiled by lackluster candidates. No, by I a lackluster leader, so-called, like McConnell. He wants to win Arizona, Masters said. I think I'm a much better candidate than Mitch McConnell gives me credit for. Not so far. Now, during the primary, Masters called for McConnell to be replaced as the GOP leader, saying he supported Josh Hawley or Tom Cotton. McConnell was a roadblock to enacting parts of former President Trump's agenda. I'll tell Mitch this to his face, Master said during the primary. He's not bad at everything. He's good at judges. He's good at blocking Democrats. You know what he's not good at? Legislating, he said. On Friday, Masters predicted McConnell will get another term as GOP leader and no Republicans will challenge him. I think he'll be in charge and I'm not just going to be a senator that falls in line to whatever he says. I'll hear him out. I'm happy to listen, but my vote doesn't belong to Mitch McConnell. It doesn't belong to Donald Trump. Who is this guy? We had so many people who who were witnesses for his philosophy. Seriously. Don't get me wrong, I want him to win. But I'm not sure exactly what we get if he wins. Maybe that's why he's eight points behind, of all people, Mark Kelly who's been a disaster in the Senate, who's got a radical left record, 
The border of Arizona is wide open thanks to the federal government. He's done nothing but write one or two letters. That's it. Peter Thiel, seems to me, has some responsibility as to the mouthpieces and surrogates, the big donors, people in the media who told you to vote for Blake Masters in Arizona. What's he got to, he has to have Donald Trump bail him out and another billionaire bail him out? And now he wants Mitch McConnell's help? Who backed this guy in the media anyway, Mr. Producer? I don't even know. Who backed him? Now, since J.D. Vance came on the show, and we endorsed him, and I encouraged all conservatives to get behind him, because many have been skeptical. He's now three points ahead of this guy, Tim Ryan, the Democrat. That's you, the Levinites, who did that. You. When I come back, right, Mr. Producer? We will have Jim Trusty, President Trump's lead counsel, dealing with this unbelievable FBI raid. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Inflation is hitting us very hard right now. From the gas pump to dining out, I'm shocked every time I get the bill. That's why I'm here to tell you about Upside. Upside is an incredible app for cash back when you buy gas, groceries, or dine out. With every purchase, earn cash back thanks to Upside. You know, my kids eat out all the time and they love getting cash back. More money to spend the next time, right? To get started, download the free Upside app, use by promo code Rewind, and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Now, in comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. Folks, Upside users are earning more than a million dollars back every single week. That's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. Download the free Upside app. Use promo code Rewind. That's promo code Rewind to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code Rewind. James Trusty is a former federal prosecutor, but not just any former federal prosecutor. You've seen him on Fox. He's extremely sharp. He's lead counsel for President Trump on this FBI raid. I don't believe we've ever spoken. Jim, how are you, my friend? I'm great, Mark. Thanks for that very kind intro. I've been looking forward to talking to you. Likewise, likewise. So, as I understand it, something related to the Fourth Amendment, among other things, you guys are going to take some action, correct? Absolutely. Uh, Coming soon. It should be something that uh, gets publicly filed, so the the whole United States will get to read this thing, and I think that's important to the president. He's been very transparent through this whole process. And as you can imagine, Mark, because I know your your chops, I know your background in terms of just incredible legal knowledge, this is going to be Fourth Amendment-based. You know, the litigation before Judge Reinhardt is all about First Amendment, frankly, uh, media versus DOJ, but we're going to weigh in very strong and very hard on behalf of the president who never should have been subjected to the search warrant, and we're going to be attacking that search warrant. When do you expect to file this? 
uh, I guess I'll leave myself the, the, the possibility of Monday, but I would think it's probably going to be more like hours. It's coming very soon. And it relates to, I mean, the Fourth Amendment. That, uh, that search was what we call the kind of search they used to do under general warrants, correct? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the aspects of this that, that we'll pay some attention to, which is the idea that it's overbroad. You know, the Fourth Amendment requires particularity. It requires narrowness to the intrusion on the person's home. And this warrant had language in it. And keep in mind, all we've seen is a warrant and an inventory. But the warrant has language in it about if you find a classified document, you can take the whole box around it, and you can take any boxes near it. And that's really the the functional equivalent of a general search. There's just no limit to that kind of scope in the warrant. Now, has the government provided the president with a list of what it's taken, or they're not planning on doing that? They don't. Uh, they don't appear to be wanting to do that of their own will. And so you'll see a reference to Rule 41F, which is again kind of the pretrial enforcement rule of procedure when it comes to search warrants. And uh, we're entitled to a specific inventory. What you have right now, and it's a matter of public record, is a very vague document that purports to be uh, the same as an inventory. I guess a property receipt, and it says things like box of documents. Doesn't give particularity as to the location. Uh, occasionally says something was marked classified or in some sort of classification. And then strangely has some particularity when it comes to things like a Roger Stone uh, pardon package, which even for a really broad general warrant seems to be outside the scope of what was allowed. So we are way behind in terms of the government playing fair and giving us the details that we're entitled to. And it really is perplexing because, as far as you know, they've grabbed attorney-client privilege information. They've they've uh, they took his we know his passport. Uh, we know there's got to be other information. If they grabbed all the boxes in his private residence as well as his office, so much of that material has to be utterly unrelated to the government, wouldn't you think? Yeah, we, we very much think. And that's the kind of reason why we need a special master. I mean, and that's a rare step when it comes to search warrants being executed. But this is something that we have to pursue. We have to get somebody in the middle because we're not going to leave it to DOJ to tell us that they're doing their filter search and that they're the guardians of what's privileged or not. And you mentioned attorney-client. Of course, there's executive privilege at play here as well. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, we're going to come out swinging and say, look, you know, this cannot be something where we just get a uh, a kind of a wink and a nod from DOJ that we're supposed to trust them under these circumstances. We're going to have to get court involved, judicial intervention at the district court level to get somebody in the mix here that can help us uh, vindicate the Fourth Amendment rights of the president. I'm a little perplexed. I had a... uh couple of people contact me who are still federal prosecutors and they said I don't remember a case certainly not a case like this where a master would be signing off on a search warrant typically you would you know you'd have a full-fledged federal judge is this strike you as a little weird yeah well it's all weird territory I mean come on we've got a, a you know a president's residence being searched we've got an attorney general doing this impromptu press conference to say, I'm ready to release a couple of things that help us, uh, but not the affidavit, and they're fighting tooth and, nail, tooth and nail on that. So, yeah, this is all bizarre territory, frankly, and worrisome territory in terms of the historic precedent of it. 
But and a special master is not going to be the answer for everything. I mean, I think it's clear that, that they're usually going to be more in the mix for um, you know voluminous cases of discovery or situations. I guess most special masters in criminal cases have been involved where there is like a serious privilege issue, like for instance, a, a search warrant executed at an attorney's office. But we have privilege issues that are extremely important here. And we do think that uh, one of the benefits of the special master, if the master agrees with this, is we can stop DOJ in their tracks when it comes to inspecting these documents. They shouldn't have anybody, filter team or not, looking at these materials right now because of the nature of this search and the, and the misrepresentations, frankly, that we're getting from DOJ about why they did this search and even how they conducted it. You're also getting a lot of leaks out of the government, even contradictory leaks. They talk about senior investigative uh, individuals or national intelligence individuals, people who claim or apparently do have some access to this information. Doesn't that, um, it, 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 it leans against all this secrecy that the government is claiming because they are, it's like salami tactics putting this information out, isn't it? Yes, it's selective secrecy, and I think maybe the better phrase is whisper campaign. You know, the, the public, and and really, I don't think limited to just people that vote for President Trump. I think a lot of fair-minded people looked at what happened a couple of Mondays ago and said, you know, what has happened to this country where the DOJ and FBI blow past the cooperation of a president and execute a search warrant with, you know, 20 or 30 armed agents mulling around and rummaging through the entire uh, premises. So there's a lot that I think if, if, you, if you're a student of history, if you're a student of the institution of criminal justice in the United States, like, like I am just from being around it for 30 years, and I know you certainly are, you know, you've got to step back and say what's going on and how do we undo some of the damage of these rash decisions, these politicized decisions by the Department of Justice. So you know, believe me, I'm in the trenches as an attorney trying to be uh, helpful and, and uh, give good guidance and be aggressive for the president. But I'm also occasionally finding myself stepping back and thinking about what a historically bad situation we find ourselves in with this type of conduct. If you're free, I'd like to hold you over the break. And the question I would like to ask you, Jim Trustee, um, lead counsel for President Trump on this FBI matter. Don't you find it strange that Merrick Garland is so involved in this, given his appointment by Donald, by uh, Joe Biden, and and given other situations where uh, attorneys general have recused themselves under circumstances far less egregious than this? I mean, yeah, I can, I'm uh, certainly not pushing for a special counsel. I'm just saying you don't have to have a special counsel to step aside and say, I'm going to appoint temporarily xyz to handle these matters you know as a 30-year career record and so forth because even the appearance of a conflict of interest as you know is a violation of ethical codes in most states we'll be right back with jim trusty lead counsel for president trump on the fbi raid In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. 
It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Our special guest, James Trusty, President Trump's lead counsel on the FBI raid matter, and uh, has indicated that they are going to be filing with a federal court in South Florida, raising uh, a number of constitutional issues where there have been, in my view, obvious violations, including the breadth of this search warrant. And uh, James Trusty also says, we want to know what documents they took. We want to know if what they've done with these documents. We need a list, and that's typical, ladies and gentlemen. And so, James Trusty, Jim, my question was, aren't you a little flabbergasted? Just step back a little that an attorney general with this kind of a, of a political background would be so thoroughly involved in this? Yeah, I, well, and I, I tell you what I focus on in that regard is, is two things. First of all, you know, the, the attorney general has left, or the president has left the attorney, uh, U.S. attorney in place in Delaware to handle the Hunter Biden investigation. And that's effectively what you're suggesting before the break, that sometimes you defer to other people that don't have kind of a political interest um, mm-hmm. to, to handle sensitive matters. So I do think that it makes sense to, to at least think through what you're saying. There's an option here that maybe the attorney general shouldn't have been involved. The problem, frankly, you know, we talked at, from time to time about uh, appointing a special prosecutor. And the way the special prosecutor statute works now is you're still ultimately answerable to the AG. So it's a little bit of, uh, of, of an imperfect solution. Maybe there is no perfect one. But, but Mark, what I would talk about, what, what I think concerns me the most in terms of representing President Trump is time and time again, we see different rules for him than any other citizen. Mm-hmm. And, and the exhibit A on that right now is not just the search warrant, it's that press conference. You know, the attorney general going out to the public and saying, hey, I want to release uh, a couple of things that help us in this public debate. I, I want to release the, the warrant, which is just the cover sheet showing a judge signed off and said there's some laws that might have been violated. That's helpful for the government to throw that out there. And then we're going to throw out a vague inventory, but at least it says the word classified on it. And so they want the benefit of different rules for Donald Trump. I'm releasing, I mean, I've been around prosecution. Uh, I was a prosecutor for 27 years. I've been a defense attorney for six. I've been around the scene for a long time. I can't think of anything like that where a U.S. attorney or a county prosecutor or the attorney general stood up in front of the public and said, hey, I want to release this stuff because it shows I did the right thing. These are not the types of documents. Now, Donald Trump, by the way, completely transparent and happy with this stuff getting out. He wants the world to know what's going on. But as a person in the criminal justice system, I say, what is this? Like, how can we have an attorney general go out and make these types of pronouncements? He's essentially breaking the norms 
of ethical prosecution by having that press conference. So, yeah, I mean, we're, we have and will continue to have an awful lot of concerns about whether or not we can trust a, a fair shake from this particular Department of Justice. One of the things I've been thinking about, Jim Trustee, well, let me ask it this way. Do you think you'll be asking the court or ask them through the, a special master to look at the chain of custody of each of these documents or pages of documents that were removed so, in fact, President Trump's various uh, constitutional rights have been protected? In other words, they may have already violated attorney-client privilege. Who knows? Right. Well, that's, that's one aspect of it that, you know, is, again, unusual, but we think warranted here, which is to get the special master to say, hey, the DOJ filter team is not going to look at this stuff. You know, what DOJ does when they do search warrants in a lot of districts is if they're concerned about having privileged documents, then they use other people, other prosecutors, other agents to conduct the search, look at stuff, and try to make a determination of what is privileged and what is not. Ultimately, that's an awful lot of trust, right? We're supposed to just say, oh, we assume that, you know, FBI agents from the Washington field office and a deputy within the same group that's prosecuting this case, that National Security Division, that they're never going to, like, cross over and spill over information that they see that's privileged. And we think there's legitimate, large swaths of potential documents subject to privilege, and we're not willing to just take it on faith. I mean, we've learned too much about this department, this FBI, in the last five or six years to just assume that they're going to be honest brokers when it comes to reviewing documents that they probably shouldn't have in the first place. But if the FBI agents didn't get orders not to read the documents before this, we used to call it a Chinese wall, I guess you can't call it anymore, and the Department of Justice existed, <laughs> uh, right. and FBI agents read attorney-client privilege or something like that and so forth, and it seems to me every single FBI agent that was at Mar-a-Lago that grabbed a box that looked at documents has to somehow swear that they didn't read something that they weren't supposed to read. And that's the problem with the broad search warrant. They're grabbing all the boxes. It tells them they can grab all the boxes. It doesn't say they can't go through the boxes. And they may have gone through boxes if they weren't ordered in advance not to go through the boxes. No. Yeah, I mean, it, it is, I mean, you're putting your finger on the big problem, which is when you have an overbroad warrant, when you have agents and, and prosecutors that might have motivations that are not what we want from our public servants, then there's a lot of risk here. And it's just, you know, I, I, I don't say that lightly. I was around prosecutors. I'm good friends with an awful lot of FBI agents that are either current or retired. I'm, I'm still their buddy. And, Me too, and I by love the, way. the work they did. Yeah. No, I believe you. And, and but you know, at the same time, there's been a a ends justify the means leadership coming out of the Jim Comey era, and we see the you know moment after moment of of high profile horrific acts by FBI. I mean, a general counsel that that flips the meaning of an email to get a FISA warrant, and a supervisor that essentially. Uh, enables Larry Nasser to molest dozens of young women because he doesn't want to bring the prosecution to fruit. So there's all these horrific stories of misconduct, and, uh, and I don't want to paint it with that broader brush when it comes to individual agents or even supervisors. There's some great people there. 
but but I'll be damned if I'm representing the president and I'm just going to accept that I found the good people and that I should trust them when they say, don't worry about your constitutional rights or your privileges being violated because we've seen too much in recent years. So we have well, what to I'm be saying is we, let's assume every one of them is an angel. OK, they go in there, they grab all these boxes under this warrant. And they naturally look through them. If they weren't given directives, it's very possible that there's a screw-up, or it's very possible that without these directives, that it's so sloppy, that they're grabbing so much, that they may well have gone through documents. Whether it's innocent or not really doesn't matter. If they violated President Trump's constitutional rights, as you point out, for, first of all, potentially executive privilege, but clearly attorney-client privilege, and maybe others. It could have happened depending on how they they conducted themselves. At least I'd want to know. Right. I mean, we'd love to know. You know, there's a lot that we want to pursue as we go forward, including things like what was the pre-raid, as they call it, you know, uh, conversation. What were the instructions the agents were given? Exactly. Uh, You know, frankly, it was so overbroad that they could have done the search in 10 minutes. We're taking everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they spent nine hours at Mar-a-Lago. So there's, you know, there's much more questions than answers. And I recognize we're in kind of an early phase of not even litigation, not kind of normal litigation that you might get with a criminal case. But that's what Rule 41 is about. And that's what special mm-hmm. masters are about. And that's what the court's equitable power is about, is, is putting a check on a runaway train. And uh, it's our obligation to, to push those buttons and say, look, there, there's enough of a problem here where the court needs to get involved and slow this down and, and start getting the real answers, not just the uh, you know, AG press conference answers that were thrown out. I'm very pleased you're there. I'm very pleased that you're proactive and you're, you're going to deal with this to defend this president, future presidents, and the Fourth Amendment for all of us. So uh, God bless, and, uh, and I look forward to reading it once it's filed, sir. Good deal. We'll get it to you. Thanks so much, Mark. All right, Jim. You take care of yourself. Excellent. Now Maggie Haberman doesn't have to worry about something being filed, right, Mr. Producer? I'll be right back. Lovin. It's a great deal of breaking news in that interview with uh, Jim Trusty. You could tell how sharp and uh, substantive and experienced he is. And he laid out, at least in general terms, what they plan to do. And it's sort of many of the things we discussed, apart from the special master. And uh, so this is going to get very interesting, very fast. And they're doing exactly the right thing. Exactly the right thing. So it's not amateur hour. Trusty is a pro. Trusty is a pro. They're going to file a motion. It's going to affect the search, the Fourth Amendment. They want a neutral arbiter in there, a special master, to go through the documents because they have some documents they shouldn't have over the Justice Department. I've raised the possibility of those documents already being tainted if the right uh, guidelines were not given to the FBI by the prosecutors in the Department of Justice, or maybe they were mishandled at the Department of Justice. So you want to look at chain of custody for every document. And, of course, there are serious issues here, executive privilege, attorney-client privilege, among other things. So that's the way you do it. And I'm glad they are, because enough is enough. 
Well, we're going to start this montage from Grabian. The best of Brian Stelter, as you know, he was fired from CNN. Cut 17, go! That would be funny if it wasn't so insidious. Ginning up hate. CNN is so much bigger than any single individual. Too much of the U.S. media chatter is distorted to the point of being dishonest. Don't be so hateful. Is that too much to ask? I don't know. Maybe it is. Trust in media. Has CNN lost trust? We're living in two different realities, supported by two different news worlds. It's almost like we need two kinds of newscasts uh, or two versions of the weather report. The forecast is pretty sunny for the vaccinated, but it's quite bleak in some states for the unvaccinated. I'm glad that we work in a building where everyone's vaccinated. Looking ahead to 2020, uh, one reason why I'm taking you seriously as a contender is because of your presence on cable news. What does the press get wrong when covering Biden's agenda? When you watch the news, when you read the news, what do you think we get wrong? I'm going to go a little bit uh, rogue here, so bear with me, okay? Trump's odd behavior with Vladimir Putin is compelling so many people to ask, what does Putin have on Trump? Has Trump been compromised? When you see um, Goodbye, entire media companies... Brian Stelter. Goodbye, you've done enough to destroy a free press in this country. But we could use a few more people working the fryer at McDonald's. This I know. But I'm not sure you're qualified. Ladies and gentlemen, in honor of you...
The week is officially over. The weekend begins right now. Please don't miss Life, Liberty, and Levin on Fox, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. If you can't watch it this Sunday live, you can set your DVR right now. It's going to be a very important program. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, our truckers, and the men and women in Taiwan and Ukraine. Good night, Spritey and Griffey and Pepsi. Good night, Zelda, Smokey and Gigi. Good night, Indy and little Barney. And good night, Dad and Mom and Leo and Joe in America. We're in this together. Keep your chin up. God bless you. Have a great weekend. We'll start again on Monday.